0: So that past nine years after my father died and I went through the divorce has been really this path of grieving through the space of forgiveness of myself, of not saying, why did I choose that person or why did this happen, right? Having that shame and guilt, but really acceptance of even that, even this beautiful relationship I have for 15 years, I did learn a lot. And it's also, I won't repeat that again, (laughs) right? Because there was a lot of love in that relationship, too. And so I don't want it to be pointing the finger at him or pointing the finger at me, but it was really a space of forgiveness of of everyone involved, including myself.
1: Hello, and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives, in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right into today's episode. Thank you for joining us in today's episode. Today, I am having the honor of talking to Phoebe Leona. Phoebe is a dancer, speaker, author, yoga teacher, and transformational guide who helps us feel more embodied through somatic movement and expanded awareness practices. To become more empowered in who we are, who we are becoming, and are having a great sense of belonging. We just even started our interview here prior to recording with some breath work to get ourselves centered, and I'm excited to have her. She is also the author of Dear Radiant One, which is the book we'll be talking about primarily today. She also was a multi-author in a book called Caged No More, which was an international bestseller, and you can also find her story in TEDx talk which is beautiful, by the way. Anybody listening, it uh, combines dance. I've never seen a TED Talk done that way. We'll talk about that and more about her story in her podcast called The Space in Between, which is it has a similarity to this grief, gratitude, and the gray in between. You and I, same yes. page here, Phoebe. So welcome, Phoebe.
0: Thank you so much, Kendra. I really appreciate it and love being here with you.
1: I hope that was it. It's like, it's always odd when I have to read all the, um, accolades or the intro. (laughs) I can do a shorter version too. I can, I can, you know, whatever it, it is meant to, uh, to be, but yeah, it's odd when you're hearing all your things, right? Yeah. Like, and this, and this, and she's a this. <laughs> it's
0: like, okay, I you you told everybody that. Like, I'm done. Here we are.
1: <laughs> here we are. Well, welcome. So
0: let's start with
1: where do you live right now?
0: Oh, where do I live right now? Well, I'm currently in Beacon, New York, but I float between here and West Virginia where my grandmother is. I, I kind of ended up down there during the pandemic I was truly a nomad for about a year before the pandemic happened. I was in Bali and as things were locking down, I decided to come back, you know, back home and be close with my family and be with her. So I've been between West Virginia and where my home was before in Beacon, New York.
1: Since you said that you were a nomad, let's talk about Nomad, your company, and of course we'll we'll tie in all this at the end so people know how it is. You ended up yeah. having this, but what? tell us about Nomad.
0: Nomad is my baby. It's my business. Um, I founded it, gosh, we're approaching, it's so crazy. I think we're approaching eight years or nine years. Oh gosh. What year is this? <laughs>
1: 2022.
0: <laughs> okay. Eight years, eight years. <laughs> um and it came from where we're gonna go today in the story of mine for after a year of great loss and i decided you know when i was going through all that that i got to really live the life that i that i wanted for myself rather than for other people And, you know, when I looked at what is it that brings me joy? Well, I was teaching yoga at the time. That was my primary, you know, source of teaching and income. And I wanted to travel more. So I had this intention to start a retreat business where I bring yoga retreats. Now it's transitioned into transformational retreats because I have so many other modalities and other practitioners and facilitators that hold space under Nomad. So that's where it started. And then it went into yoga teacher trainings. And now my movement practice, which is an embodiment practice movement 109. And I host ceremonies there and facilitator trainings. So Nomad is always traveling around, it's always taking me on these different journeys. And I just follow the breadcrumbs and see where it wants to go and one being my book, um, sharing my story and using that as a tool to teach as well.
1: I love the following the bread bre- bread crumbs uh visual that you just said it's just yeah. kind of just following what it is what what path lies ahead not being so uh fixated on what we think mm-hmm. life should look like because as we know all these curveballs we are thrown in life it is uh necessary to be flexible and you've kind of mm-hmm. learned that the hard way in your in your story right that yes. you just had to be flexible. Yeah. So let's start with your story and and upbringing in terms of the kind of chaotic life you grew up in yeah. with your uh, parents. And of course, we'll, people will read more in detail when they read your book. It starts with your 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 upbringing. So tell us about this upbringing. Mm.
0: So my father was my primary caregiver for most of my childhood. My parents were together until I was about eight years old, and then they separated, divorced, and I was living with my father until I was about 15 years old. And he, at the time, we did not have this terminology of trauma or PTSD, but that's ultimately what he was dealing with, was having this very severe PTSD from doing two tours of Vietnam. So that ended up having a very traumatic effect on my own childhood because he had all of the symptoms of PTSD. He had flashbacks. He went into severe depression, rage, um, a lot of drug abuse. So although he was this beautiful, charming, loving man, he could churn on a dime whenever he got triggered. Triggered. And so it was a very confusing, as you said, chaotic childhood. And basically when I was 15 years old, I said, okay, I can't take this anymore. Because at the time, again, we didn't have this terminology. It just looked like my father was crazy and he was a drug addict. And here I was basically being the caretaker for him. And I said, I made the choice to say, okay, I need to you know, survive here and somehow figure out a way to thrive, you know, as I enter into my next chapter as a, you know, teenager, an adult. So I left, I left my father. I went to go live with my grandmother for a few months in Texas. I was living in Maryland outside of DC at the time. That's where I grew up. So I took that time. And then when I came back, um, my father was gone. So I moved back in with my mother and my stepfather and he just disappeared and went off the chart like are off the grid for a very long time. Like I would get some updates from my his parents every once in a while. I had not a great relationship with them, but I would get like letters about he's alive or, oh, he was in the hospital. And then he showed up on my phone. <laughs> I was going to say doorstep, but more, more on my phone on Father's Day in 2009. So it was about, I think it was like 18 years that he – was gone and showed up and when he showed up he was rehabilitated he had been pretty much everything like he was arrested he was homeless he had a drug overdose and was you know they almost called him dead because he had um lithium poisoning drugs from like you know being taken care of he probably almost had a heroin um, overdose too a couple of times but he had all of these like moments where he almost died and he finally a fog lifted and he said I, I want to you know reconnect with my daughter and so that's what he did he he took a few months to get out of the hospital and get healthy again and he reached out to me on that father's day
1: yeah no and there's very movie like scenes that you share in the book that mm-hmm. it would be like what this is really like out of a movie Mm-hmm. the the part of your name your name phoebe leona was asking you before we started recording if leona was your given name or if you had added it to your life based on the fact that your dad had what
0: a lion not only one <laughs> but two <laughs> lions. so,
1: so d- how did your dad come with owning lions like okay. how did he I'm just so curious.
0: So <laughs> this is the yeah. kind of stuff
1: that's not doesn't specify how he had lions. No. It just mentions the lions.
0: <laughs> and honestly, this was my father in a nutshell. He just acquired things. Like he acquired lions and he acquired cars, and then he would also lose them. We had pets that would come in and out of our house all the time. And Sorry, so, I'm
1: just looking. I'm just thinking no. of the losing the lion part. I'm thinking like nowadays in <laughs> Where next did door. I put that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in in, the, in that next door app, um, lion is like you know lion. It's like I, I found a lion. It doesn't have a chip. Like I, you know, like <laughs> who's lion? <laughs> I, it doesn't have this? a name tag doesn't right. have a name tag yeah yeah sorry go ahead
0: so well basically he he had these two lions I'm not quite sure how he got them but the why was because he was a drug dealer um who also had this cover business of a waterbed store and so what he did was he acquired these two lions with his business partner and he had them on the roof like you know as protection. So that's how that like that that's why he got them and I don't know how he accumulated these two lions but then at some point I guess he changed his business he took a different path and he decided to take these lions to like a like a farm sanctuary. A sanctuary. Yeah. Uh- so he didn't just lose them.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This one he did just give them. So yeah. that just gives a little bit. Yeah, even when I was reading, you know, it just had lion, like those statues of lions standing in in the front of homes, you know, that when I or the gargoyles. So when I was reading that first, that's what I thought it said, the two lions, but then I was like, no, wait, these are real lions. <laughs>
0: yeah, he was walking them. He what was walking kind of one life? of them, Simba of all names.
1: Um okay
0: when he met my mother so that that's where you're asking me about my name was he was out there like and he and also just to paint a picture he looked like jesus like what you like long like a hippie long long hair hair, beard. beard and he's like you know totally just walking down the street in york pennsylvania with this lion on a leash And my mom, who was, you know, a lot younger, she was 10 years younger and she was in college and she was like, who is this?
1: Smitten. smitten Yeah. Who's this
0: gentleman who's walking a lion? Yes. And they, so they flirted and that was my whole story. And so what you were asking me about my name was, you know, it was, I had been married and I took my person's name, like my partner's Mm -hmm. name. And then when I went through the divorce, my father had died and just at the same time, so I wanted to claim his name back in honor of him. But then as I've been going through my healing journey for the past nine years, I was starting to really claim my own self. And I felt like, especially since you'll know in the book, I share a lot about my relationship with my father, also how... I chose my my um, ex-husband like because of a pattern that was embedded in me. And so when I was really starting to go through my healing journey, I said, I really want to claim my own name in a sense. And I loved Phoebe already, so I didn't want to claim my own first name. So I thought, well, let me take over my last name and really claim it. And I loved that. You know the lion was this beautiful symbol of how you know of how my parents came together but i love the art i love um, animal totems and archetypes and so i just loved what a lioness stood for and i wanted to grow into her and embody her and so is my initiation into that and i was Definitely. telling you before i would love to like embody more of like the life of like being like living in the spanish life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and embody like leona. okay leona yeah, yeah leona. so i wanted to like initiate like and i'm also going to learn spanish
1: <laughs> and yeah because of the fact that you do travel to costa rica to do yeah. some of your retreats so you have that connection there so leona yeah. okay so as we're talking then we you already mentioned then your your father and his passing so let's talk about that year gabby mm-hmm. your father your divorce mm-hmm. that was like a, you know big time period in your life of mm-hmm. grief. Gabby was your best friend. Do we want first talk about how that, because that was the first ma- death, major death in your life was Gabby's?
0: No, actually Gabby was after. Oh, um, after the order yeah. was the other
1: way around. Okay. So
0: my father died in January. So to to go back a little bit. So he, yes. he stepped into my life in 2009. We had four beautiful years of healing together to a certain extent, because he was, even though he was rehabilitated, he still was very severely like traumatized from and, and doing his best. But so we, we got to heal for about four years. And then he just had a heart attack and died in 2013, quite unexpectedly. And two months after that, my husband of who I had been with for 15 years since college, he sat me down and he said, I can't do this. I need to let you go and be free. And it was absolutely devastating having those two people in my life, just no longer in my life. Even though my dad hadn't been in my life for so many years and I had grieved him from 15 to about 30 something and then I had to start the whole grieving process again. Yeah, it was it was in such a different way because I felt like the first time I had to grieve him, I really had to come to terms with whether he shows up or not, I have to have some sort of resolution within myself. And, you know, when somebody dies, right, that's it. They're not coming back. So there's more of that finality. Finito. Of that. Yeah, yeah, finito. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's done. But there was always this like he could step back into my life. You know, there was always that. And I had to really sit with, if he did, what would that look like? What would that feel like? If he didn't, what would that look like? What would that feel like? And so I really did get to process in a way that was in a space of forgiveness during those years.
1: During the years before that. Now, let me let me ask you, was mm-hmm. yoga part of your practice? So at what point, from the age of 15, then to 30-something when he showed up, had yoga already been part of your life? And was that one of the tools that you had used in meditation to start healing then in that journey of grieving your dad being away? And how was that grief journey different when he died? You know, grieving him leaving and then grieving him dying. How was that different, the tools you used.
0: Yeah. So I was, I was a professional dancer. Um, and I, in the book, I share a lot about my journey of being a dancer. So when I was living in New York city as a dancer, I found my way to the yoga mat more as a like physical rehab for myself de- dealing with injuries but then i found all of these other doors were opening up for myself you know helping my emotional well-being my mental well-being my spiritual well-being so it was filling up my cup in so many ways and i and i was just it was intuitively i was starting to this healing process through the practice of yoga and then i started to teach yoga so i i entered into that like early 2000s and so i've been teaching yoga all up into the point that when my father entered back into my life, I had I had that as a practice, and I was also teaching it. So it was extremely helpful, and it was a huge tool in my healing, and it really brought me to the space of forgiveness of him, and a space of gratitude um, of all of the all of the hardships that I had gone through because of his story. Um, it they were gifts for me. And they were able, I was able to use that as a teaching tool. So when he passed away in 2013, that journey was really about forgiveness of myself. Because when he passed away, we had already made amends. We had, you know, we were able to have those four years together, but then having my, me, my ex-husband two months after say, it's time for me to let you go. Now it unfolds in the story that he also had some sort of patterns that, as I said before, that I chose him for the, for a reason. He had a bit of a, you know, drug and alcohol abuse, and he saw that he needed to free me because he was continuing a path in other ways that was, you know, basically that I could no longer go with him. So that past nine years after my father died and I went through the divorce has been really this path of grieving through the space of forgiveness of myself, of not saying, why did I choose that person? Or why did this happen? Right? Having that shame and guilt, but really acceptance of even that, even this beautiful relationship I had for 15 years, I did learn a lot. And it's also, I won't repeat that again, (laughs) right? Because there was a lot of love in that relationship too and so i don't want it to be pointing the finger at him or pointing the finger at me but it was really a space of forgiveness of of everyone involved including myself
1: and it's so beautiful that you say that because in the book you go through after you've shared your story then you share about your dad and reconnecting with your dad then at the end there are all these letters that you write to the different emotions that come up one of them being grief some being forgiveness guilt all these different emotions so well, I want to dive into into that a little. How was it for you in this process of writing, what kind of led you to write it in this format of these letters to these different aspects of yourself and your healing journey?
0: Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, I I've always written in my journal from a very young age. That was something that I... I used as, and I didn't even know, it was just intuitively a practice that I did. And also to go back to what your question was about yoga, when I started to practice yoga and I was seeing how dance was also this healing practice for myself during my childhood, because when I would, go through, you know, my father having a flashback or he was angry, I would just go into my room, turn the music on and dance. And I just thought, oh, I just want to like avoid him, but it was actually- Or you would
1: perform for him too. It was yeah, like, I would daddy, sit Yeah, him too.
0: yeah. See, <laughs> to
1: My performance, yeah, but you're not paying attention yes. or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. But so the, these two practices of dancing and writing were such a gift from se- from the from the get go that I didn't know I just thought oh they bring me joy but it was just this intuitive pra- these intuitive practices that helped me so I wasn't carrying along like severe trauma like if if I didn't have those I don't know if I would have been alive I don't know if I would have been following the path of my father as a drug addict or not being who I am right now so when I started to think about it's time to write this book I really want to write this book. And I started to write down sort of chronologically, okay, this is my story. <laughs> and going into really deep, vulnerable moments, it was really challenging to go there. So when I said, okay, how am I going to go there? Because it's necessary. You know, that was also the first question I asked myself. Is this necessary? What I'm about to say, is this necessary? And when I, when I heard the, the answer, yes because it's gonna help other people. I said, okay, well then, if we're gonna go there, I need to deeply go there. I can't just like tell people the surface of it. I have to go deep into it. So how am I going to feel safe to get there? So I went back to this idea of writing in my journal. And then I had done an exercise with Elizabeth Gilbert. I got to study with her, I don't remember a handful of years ago and she had us writing she i think it was 2016 yeah it was right after the election and so we were we wrote letter to fear and it was so it was so eye-opening to see because we did like a letter back and forth so fear wrote a letter back to us and it was so eye-opening to see who's who the voice of fear was because it wasn't mine and, it, and to re- recognize that fear just wants to be seen and heard and felt because that's what happens is if we're not listening to fear or any of the specifically the shadow emotions like fear or grief or anger, they just get louder. So, I use that tool to write letters to the emotions in Dear Radiant One, because it was like I was writing in my journal and I could be really vulnerable and have this conversation with grief and anger and also joy and gratitude, those lighter emotions too, and say, hey, what is it that I'm not seeing here? And so it was my way into the story and and kind of you witness, the reader witnessing me through that process. But it was also this way of, telling the story in a non-linear way because i also thought that was really important too was not to just say here's my story from childhood to where i am now because i wanted to layer in like this moment that happened as a child is why i'm here right now or why i did that thing in my adulthood so i wanted to be able to kind of mirror that throughout and not have people get super lost so it was more abstract in this letter it felt like that that's how we can do this,
1: and it and, and it's true because within that it's not you you're talking about it and then sharing those aspects in your life in which fear showed up or in which grief showed up. So you were getting to know more about the story in that as yeah. well. Now at the end of these letters, then you do the check in. Let's check, mm-hmm. in. and this part is the part that, for the reader, is to know that you're going to go into this book, learning about Phoebe's story. But you're going to go also into this book, Learning About Yourself. Because Mm -hmm. after you read these letters to the different emotions, in the check-in part, there are prompt questions for yourself, like Mm -hmm. us readers to then sit down and journal. So in the one about grief, is it okay if I read a little bit? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So uh, in the one about grief, you then mention that some of the prompt journals is what asking ourselves what does this person or situation that is no longer in my life represent for me meaning who the person that's died or the person that's left if it's a divorce and is there something i can release with her or him them or it the situation the person or the and and then just going on deeper so with you in this process of your own grief what are these steps that you took for example after your separation after your divorce did you do these things in order to allow you to release in those different tra- life transitions as well and how did that look
0: yeah I think that when I was going through it, it wasn't just me sort of having this ceremony of writing in my journal specifically. It took me a really long time for that one. But, and to go back to an earlier question about Gabby. So Gabby was my best friend that I grew up with. We knew each other since like six years old and we lived on the same street and we had this really beautiful relationship where we we're walking along each other's path but we weren't always in each other's lives. So at any point in our lives we could pick up the phone and call each other and pick up where we left off. I mean it was that that beautiful friendship and we also lived in New York City to you know at the same time but she had a very different life than I did but we could, you know, catch up and so when i was writing this this book in 2021 just a year ago i was Planning out how to set aside time, I was creating the structure for the book, and like, okay, when am I going to write about anger? Like, I was scheduling it. Like, I'm going to write about anger here, and I'm going to write about fear here. So I had it on my calendar, and as it was going through and writing, I was experiencing them. Like life, like my present day life, was bringing me a situation in for me to really feel anger. I don't remember what happened, but there was something there that I really had to deal with it. So I was getting closer and closer to this weekend of grief. And I was starting to get nervous because I was thinking, okay, life keeps bringing me a situation, a scenario for me to like truly feel it in my body, in my life. And so I was thinking, what is grief going to bring me? Like, who am I gonna have to grieve? And honestly, I thought it, was, it might be my grandmother because I was living near her at that time. And she's, you know, 90 now. She's still alive. And I thought, I really am not wanting to write this. <laughs> I'm is not... it, is,
1: did you, were you nervous that you were calling it into your life? Yeah. Is that what was holding you back?
0: Yeah. I mean, and you and you hear in my, my book too how I have this very strong intuition. And I actually even kind of pushed it away because... I thought that I was creating the scenarios. So right. when I was sitting here and I was watching myself, you know, experience these emotions, I was like, "I am I calling this in? Mm-hmm. So I had it on the calendar to write for Easter weekends, the first weekend of April. And that, I think it was that Thursday, uh, her brother called me. And out Gabby's of nowhere. brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gabby's brother called me and said that she passed away in her sleep. She had an autoimmune disease that we all knew she was dealing with some sort of mysterious illness for the last handful of years, but it was never properly diagnosed. And so ultimately, like two weeks before she passed, she was living in Morocco and they said that she had these two autoimmune diseases that could have been, you know, she could have been fine if they caught it early on, but they didn't. And so... She had a stroke. I think that's what they think happened. She had a stroke in her sleep and died. So I was there grieving my best friend. So the letter of grief, I thought it was going to be this letter about my grieving my father and my ex-husband, but it turned into this letter of grieving Gabby in that present experience. And so that's where really that specific exercise that you were talking about came because I said, all right, I have to kind of like up right now and, and grieve her and honor her and also write my book and have something, um, you know, useful to pass on to, on to the, the reader. And so I did, I created this little ceremony for her because I was, you know, it wasn't near her. her, her whole family's all over the world. It was still COVID. Like they didn't have a service for her. So I had my own little ceremony that I think it was on Easter essentially. And I wrote a letter It's not in the book. This was just for me. And I asked those questions, like, what does Gabby represent to me? Um, What am I taking, the lessons that I had, my friendship that I had, what am I taking with me? What will I continue to honor? What also am I ready to release? Was there something that she represented that I'm also, it's here for me to release? So I went through all of those questions that are in the book for myself. And so I could honor her. So I did a little burn ceremony and then I danced because that's what we did when we were kids and it was really really beautiful.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. And yes, I'm my apologies that I was like I got those all messed up in terms of the time like, Yeah, she's a, she was in her early 40s, right, when she passed yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. So the the part of your say of you saying of what does she represent in your life? Friendships, yeah. you know, sometimes people really let me just say this. Just like with friendships and pets, for example, I would give this example, are some of those that when we have a pet or a friend die, society doesn't probably give it the weight that should be given. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And these people have probably been in your life longer, in Mm -hmm. people or animals, for example, sometimes, and in more intimate situations than probably anybody else in our life mm-hmm. our friends are those people that we confide in that have traveled mm-hmm. through us like in your case with gabby and all these different life changes that that nobody else has you know mm-hmm. they're the ones we maybe say when the spouse left or was mad when mm-hmm. you had an situation so what they represent in our lives is huge yeah. and i love that you are shared her with us. And for the reader that's list, you know reading this as well, when they read this book, that has had someone close to them die that they will feel kind of represented and heard and that mm-hmm. their grief is valid. It is a, a heavy one yeah. to go through. So thank you. I want to touch into the part of emotions and our body and our mm-hmm. health, because mm-hmm. that's something that you are very passionate about. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that part.
0: Yeah. So you'll, you'll, you'll see in the book that I was coming to terms with how my emotions, specifically anger, how I was not feeling safe. I never felt safe to deal with anger uh, because my father had so much rage and he would just turn on a dime when I was a child. And so when I saw that, I was scared of it. And so I pushed it down. And so I remember after my dad died and I was going through my divorce and I had a therapist and every week she was like, Phoebe, you know, you can be angry. This is a situation you should be angry about, right? Anger is definitely in grief. (laughs) Um, And I just kept saying, no, I'm fine. Like, honestly, I just felt so tired. I was more in that depressive state and I didn't have the energy to be angry. But what happened was I was not, I didn't give anger an outlet in any, anyway. So I was actually manifesting it in my body. So it came out as urinary tract infections. Later on, it came out through um, um, like fibroids in my reproductive system. So I had to get a DNC. So it was when we are not, we're not like I said earlier about writing the letters to the emotions. If the emotions are not feeling seen and heard and given an outlet and felt, like truly felt that energy is going somewhere. right? Emotions are just energy in motion. So if we're just bottling it up and putting it down in our body, it's going to manifest into something else. It's going to manifest into an injury. It's going to manifest into a cold. It's going to manifest into disease. It could manifest into cancer or anything else if we just continue to just pretend that it's not there. So that's a lot of what I offer in my spaces of teaching and mentoring now is recognizing the body, right? Because we've done a really beautiful job the last, I would say like 15, 20 years on the mindset, but it's still just like, you can't think your way out of anger. You can't think your way out of grief. You actually have to acknowledge how your body has been carrying these stories, right? That's the... There's a lot of great information out there now about how our fascia, our connective tissue, is actually like the cells of our being are actually carrying our stories. Our nervous system is is responding to these old stories all the time. And so when we really lean into it and start to listen, just like the emotion of like seeing and feeling and hearing it, then we can really begin to release it. We can begin that truly begin the process of grieving and releasing it, that space of acceptance.
1: It, as you're as you're um, saying all this, as you're talking about the fascia, that's why it's sometimes people, when they go and get a massage, or mm-hmm. even it's like all of a sudden, all these emotions start coming up and tears, and they yes. have no clue what's happening, but it's stored emotions in exactly. your in your body, and um, it is it is so so true. I I want to read a part of the part when you were talking about the different emotions within grief, the part in your, when you talk about grief, grief, what I know of you is you hold everything in the experience of you. Depression, numbness, joy, laughter, anger, guilt, gratitude, fear, Acceptance, all of it, and I love this so much because in that aspect of the, especially especially reading the part of joy and laughter, mm-hmm. because it they are so intertwined. I I look back to even after my mom passed away, some of like I would do little YouTube, like not you yeah like little videos of funny mm-hmm. things, and so I I notice how much humor came out of me Mm -hmm. in moments of hardship. Even during the pandemic, uh, I did this little like video of jokingly like, oh, this is I drew myself like a mustache and like a unibrow and kind of saying like, this is what I'm going to look like, you know, by the end of the of the pandemic, you know, (laughs) kind of thing, you know, it but really it was a way of dealing with the situation of Mm -hmm. the fact that we are now here in the house. I can't go do the regular stuff I used to do. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about all these different emotions. And you talked about it, shadow emotions, lighter emotions. What in reality, they're emotions. So that's Mm -hmm. who we are. We're these human beings with a beautiful array of emotions. Can we talk about that, please?
0: Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, I love that you touched on how the pandemic was a space of grieving our old life, right? We have been collectively Grieving the last handful, like the last two or three years now, and what I feel with grief, as I said in in the book, is it holds everything, and I I I get really frustrated when I see like the seven steps or the blah 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 steps of grief, and it's like you just add me to that list, yeah. Add me to that
1: list. I'm frustrated. <laughs> there is no checklist. Yeah,
0: no checklist. <laughs> it's not linear. I mean, there and it and. When you look at if you look at something like anger, anger has an arc, right? Like most emotions they have this arc. There's some sort of trigger that makes you quote unquote angry, you get to that peak of it, you release it in some way, right? You come to that peak of that emotion and then it dissipates and it goes back down. But for grief, it holds everything. I mean, you I remember when I was grieving my father, I was all over the map. Like I was laughing about a memory that I had of him one moment. And then I was going into crying because he wasn't there anymore. And then I would continue on with my life. And then I'd feel guilty and go, oh my God, my dad's not here. And I would feel bad that I was moving on with my life. So it was like all over the map. And we have to really honor that. And I think, especially in our Western culture, we don't, what you were just speaking of, of the joy and the laughter is we, we actually, like we're in this weird place in Western culture where it's like, we have to be sad, but not that sad. Like we have to somehow just button up and continue on. But also don't be really happy because that's weird. And people I'm are going to question myself. you.
1: <laughs> I'm meeting myself as I'm laughing here just because I'm like, I don't want to interrupt the thing, but yeah. I just want to, yeah, it is so true. Go ahead. It's,
0: it's just so weird. It's so weird how we respond to grief and we respond to loss, particularly loss of, of, of a loved one. Um, and so I'm really, that invitation into the the book of, of grieving is like, it all of the emotions. I mean, yes, I have to organize it to a way so I'm not all over the map in my book. So I do structure it as shadow emotions and lighter emotions just to show like the hero's journey in a sense, right? These obstacles being the quote unquote the shadow emotions, the lighter emotions are like that space of overcoming it into the space of joy. But they're all here all the time. It's all mixed up, whether it is you call it grief or you, you just call it life. <laughs> emotions are with us and you know meditation's a really helpful tool to witness that and meditation doesn't necessarily need to be sitting still in one place it could just be out on a walk right how many times have i been on a hike and my i feel so many things like i'm oh look at the squirrel or look at that little thing and ah nature and then i go back into like my woes me and I feel whatever I'm feeling. And I remember that I was angry about something. And like, we're all, we're, our emotions change every, it's not just our thoughts, but it's our feelings too. So really acknowledging that and and understanding it and not trying to control them, but just be with them, really hold this space of, a space of acceptance.
1: And it's so beautiful what happens with that space of acceptance and in that, in, in not judging our emotions as they come and go. and and you're right, we we do judge ourselves in these emotions, especially when it comes to grief, like, wait, I shouldn't be happy or like, you know, why would I be happy right now if my person's not here? Put on then the sad face. Whatever it is, either it's expected either by society or just ourselves, our own ideas of what grief should look like that then we judge ourselves as we're living. Through it. I want you to talk about your TEDx talk and how you prepared that because I honestly, I had never seen, I've seen a lot of TED Talks. I have never seen somebody dance as they're giving their TED Talk. You really embodied what you're all about and the movement being part of that journey. So, how did you come to decide that this was going to be the way that you were going to present? your TED talk.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. Everybody thinks, oh, that was so bold. That was so courageous. But honestly, for me, it was the easy way out. because right. I, I was you could a- just
1: choreograph your, your, it's like, I'm, I'm a, uh, I studied theater. So I was like, yes. I was, as I was looking, I'm like, Oh, I wonder how, but I'm like, no, I actually probably is easier when I'm here. This is what I say when I'm in doing this movement, this is what I say when I do this, this is what I say. So I yeah. could see how that could make it easier. And because you're so in the movement, it also would allow the emotions and everything to come through. is just beautiful to watch. Mm, Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you.
0: No, no, you saw, you saw it correctly because I, you know, well, there were a couple of things that went through my mind because I was invited to do this TEDx and, and I thought, Oh crap. (laughs) People want me and I've been teaching and I've, you know, been teaching for years to big groups of people and I've been on stages dancing before, but for some reason, having this invitation to talk about my story, and this was four or five years ago, I can't remember, but like before the book, right? So like being vulnerable on stage, talking about not just being a character or teaching something, it was like, this is me. And it was, again, kind of like the the writing letters, it was, how am I going to be able to get there and be vulnerable? Oh, I know how to dance. And I also felt like, what if I invited some friends into this too? So it's not just me on stage alone. So I invited my one of my dance partners, Dante Paleo, who is now the artistic director of Limon. Um, and then my two friends were playing and singing in the corner. So I said, ooh, I love to co-create. So let me see if I can do this in a way that feels good for me so I can go into those places and share my story. But it was a lot of fun. And actually with Dear Radiant One, now that it's out, we're doing something very similar with the book reading experiences i just last weekend we had um i had a painter on stage who was painting to my right uh live and then i had my friend on the left doing a whole sound healing soundscape with gongs and chimes and singing bowls and then i also had a friend reading some of the letters as poetry while i was dancing so i had this beautiful experience like this performing art experience of bringing the book to life in a multi-dimensional way
1: so beautiful. The arts are just such a a beautiful tool for us to heal and to mm-hmm. connect to our inner inner emotions that sometimes we don't even know we have and through yeah. it it just comes, you know, mm-hmm. out as we express it in the arts. Let's uh talk about your book a little mm-hmm. more, how to how people can get it, and then I want you to talk about how people can connect with you in all these different offerings that you have.
0: Sure. So my book, again, is Dear Radiant One, an emotional recovery story and transformational guide to embody the dance of life. And it's really out wherever books are sold online. You can also visit my website, phoebeleona.com. So you can see all of the, if you don't want to, you know, spend your money at Amazon or those big stores, there's also independent sellers. So you can go to my website and find Find that or even buy it from my website too. So, yes, and then to connect with me, you can go to that website, vvleona.com. And I also have, as I mentioned before, uh, nomad, the nomadcollective.org, where is my retreat um, business. We also have, we're bringing on lots of new facilitators, coaches, healers, yoga teachers, and guides that are holding spaces too. So we're expanding our network at the Nomad Collective and I will be leading my retreat in Costa Rica in November. And I'm very excited about that. And we'll have more to come probably by the time this airs, we might have another one announced, but I'm not sure yet. But yeah, so stay tuned.
1: Phoebe, I always like to ask if I, is there anything I did not ask you that you would like to share with the listeners?
0: Hmm. There was something that we were talking about earlier, and I wanted to go back to it. Please. Let me see if I remember.
1: Okay. Let's think (laughs) about it. That happens to me. That's why I end up staying after the interview with all these other questions that I'm like, oh, wait. (laughs) Because as I'm listening, I'm trying to take notes. So I'm like, oh, let me ask about this. But then I'm like.
0: Yeah, I think we're, we, I'll just start a, start going there. Let's see. And
1: they go, it goes, will, it will flow. It will flow. Go.
0: It, it will flow, I trust, because we're both intuitive beings and we'll find it. But it was around where we were talking about the stories that we hold in our bodies. And I think that this is really important, especially since your people are listening, are connecting to the stories of grief and gratitude and the gray spaces in between, mm. is when we what I was talking earlier about the mindset is we can't think our way. It's really to honor this emo- these emotions that we're feeling in our bodies are also these stories that when I remember exactly what it was, it was the massage. Mm-hmm. When we have these emotional releases, like you said in a massage or in a yoga class and you're doing, you know, a deep hip opener and you just start to feel Pigeon this- pose.
1: Yes. Pigeon pose is one that at one time I was like.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. And it, it, it's like you feel this rush of heat and anger or you could feel really deep, you know, deep, deep grief and cry. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you don't need to know why. Just honor what it is. You don't need to know why. And that's funny because I teach a lot as a teacher to yoga teachers, like know your why when you're teaching anything, have intention. But in this case, as this practitioner who's experiencing your body, experiencing these emotions, you don't need to know why, you don't even necessarily need to go and dig into your story, just honor them and then feel whatever that emotion is that you're feeling and go, okay, now what? Now what? Do I need to feel more of this? have I released it? Is there something else I could do to, you know, shift it? So just have a little, a bit of a conversation with it and honor it and not label it or judge it or try to change it. That's the other thing too, in our Western world, if something doesn't feel right, let's change our mindset, right? Oh, let's do something different that'll control, like, no, just, it's more in that receptive state of just witnessing it, becoming more aware of it, And that awareness is the transformation. So that's It's so beautiful.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing it. Yeah, as you're saying of the whole thing of like the changing, it's like, how do we cheer you up? Like when somebody's sad, it's like all of a sudden, it's like we have this uh, urge to want to change how that person's feeling. And I say that even for myself when I feel, you know, in that moment of grief grief that sometimes my husband like, oh, how can I help? I'm like, no, just let me be. Just let yes. me be right now. I want to be. Or in those times of the month <laughs> that yeah. sometimes more emotions, I'm yeah. like, right now, just let me be with what I am feeling. I yeah. just want to feel how I'm feeling right now. Like, Don't try to change it. Yeah. Just let me be it.
0: And a lot of times it's the person who's responding and reacting to your emotion it just doesn't know how to handle it themselves. Right. right? It's like, oh, let me pacify your emotion because I can't handle your anger, or I can't h- handle you crying, or I can't handle seeing you, at, you know, whatever it is.
1: Because it's, it brings us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's discomfort for us as mm-hmm. the person viewing someone going through that, because we don't even know what to do with those emotions, even sometimes yeah. within ourselves, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. As a parent of two teenagers, uh, they go through a <sighs> lot of different emotions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Very <laughs> and, <Kendra>. and, uh... <laughs> One of the things I say, anger's what or disappointment and stuff. I'm like, it's okay for you to feel that way. Let's find other ways in which you can express it in a yeah. way that's maybe not as <laughs> I don't know how to say it. So yeah, or that it's affecting everybody else in your yeah. family or things. And I could say that in for myself. I'm a very studied theater for a reason. Mm-hmm. So therefore, could be these big explosive ways of expressing yeah. joy, anger, all of them, mm-hmm. and how do we Navigate them and express them in a way that is safe exactly. <laughs> as well. Yeah. It's safe not that it's all
0: parties involved, everybody.
1: Yeah. Yes. So that's the only thing. It's not about disregarding the emotion, just like with grief. The emotion itself is fine. It's just mm-hmm. how we process it and how we express it that we are to kind of look at it. If we start doing self harm, those kind of mm-hmm. things, those are the ones that then we kind of have to question yeah. a little more. Oh, anything else aside from that part that you'd like to share?
0: I just want to say thank you so much for holding this space, Uh, you know, as we talked about today of, you know, how Western culture doesn't always hold this space for grief. And I love the name of your podcast of having it being grief and gratitude and the gray spaces. (laughs) Um, So I just want to honor you and say thank you for holding the space for for other people and for yourself too and and for me. So thank you so much, Kendra.
1: I'm so honored to have you on the podcast and thank you for sharing your story, your journey, being vulnerable. And you Mm -hmm. said something so key that when you realized that you sharing your story was going to help others is why you allowed it to go there. Mm -hmm. And I invite the listeners to do the same to know that your stories matter and that your stories do have uh, a reason for being and they can impact somebody else's life as well so honor yourself and honor your stories and thank you again with Phoebe Leona here and dear radiant one that you can find anywhere where you buy books or on her website thank you Phoebe
0: thank you